In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, there it is, Brad. Karma, 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 karma chameleon by the late great boy George Culture Club, the top group of the 1980s. Surprised they didn't make it into our sweet 16, but uh, that's got to give you chills. Well, it certainly brings back memories. Is boy George dead? I did not know that. I believe he is. Is he? Okay. He has yeah, to be, right? I did. I, well, I, I mean, you know, it's certainly possible. But uh, yeah, a karma chameleon. Uh, probably a lot of folks out there who wish they could be karma chameleons because i think there's some bad karma coming down the pike there is some bad karma that's uh, starting to uh show its uh ugly head uh and um i think boy george is probably happy he's no longer with us neither by the way is george michael Mm -hmm. uh this is david pritton along with brad sheaf and if you want to learn more about us uh, and everyone does uh you go to ipfrequently.com on the world wide web and uh, you can you can commiserate with us look at photos brad has put up photos from his latest adventure into the phoenix and um i think he had a great time we'll talk about that extensively on this episode uh but we'll have family photos up there links to um brad's instaface and also you can join us on our uh instaface account uh, at ip underscore frequently also on the twitter and commiserate with us ask us anything you want and we will respond and uh we're sort of like a couple of genies Brad, right? Uh, people ask hmm. us something we can't help but respond in some way. Yeah. yeah. You want to be careful, though. You sometimes don't get exactly what you were expecting, which oftentimes happens on the Twitter or the InstaFace. But it, you know what? There's not much we can do about that anymore. Elon Musk is going to come in. He's going to take over. It's going to be a changed environment. And uh, I, for one, I'm looking forward to that. He is Perhaps I'll wipe- send my very first tweet <laughs> if he takes over. Yeah, he is going to wipe everything, uh, everything clean and etch a sketch the whole damn company. And we are excited. And for those of you here in the studio, uh, you'll notice that I am appearing by hologram today because I am in the state of Florida uh, on a uh, vacation in the land of the free. And Brad is uh, going solo other than the uh, hologram next to him in the uh, in the studio. But it looks like, Brad, everyone's having a good time there. It does. Everyone seems to be having a good time. A few shocked looks when you said you were a hologram. It does appear incredibly realistic, although it's a little disconcerting, buddy, because I, I get a bit of a flicker out of the corner of my eye. From the studio audience's perspective, you look as though you were sitting right here, but I get a little bit of a flicker. So I'm, I'm, I've, what I've done is I've put on a pair of blinders like a racehorse, and I'm now focused entirely on what we're doing, and the flicker will not get the better of me. Yeah, it's been known to give people seizures, um, epileptic fits. Uh, but again, we're willing to do anything to be closer to the audience. And that is what we are doing. Two big news items. First, we've got your good friend, Elon Musk uh, at uh, Twitter. As, as you know, last week, he uh, 
we've been talking about this for a while, bought about a nine and a half percent stake in the company um, and uh, was poised to join the board, then decided not to primarily because it would give rise to some fiduciary duties that he didn't want to undertake. And uh, now the board of Twitter has adopted a poison pill defense that is going to be uh, basically in place to prevent Elon Musk or anyone like him from taking a controlling share in the uh, in the company. Obviously, it'll be litigated, but it seems like these board members are pretty uh, concerned about what it is that uh, Musk is uh, is is going to do. And they've now basically got a, uh, a trigger mechanism whereby if anyone acquires more than 15% of the company, then they can issue new shares to basically liquidate uh, interest that Musk or anyone else would have uh, to the point where they could never take control of the company. So it seems like the, uh, the Twitter board, the Twitter sphere is um, uh, up on the wall defending themselves from uh, Elon Musk and all of the free speech that he would bring to the Twitter sphere. Yeah, well, you got to hate free speech, obviously, if you're an American. The last thing you want is for anyone to be able to speak their mind or take a position, certainly one that is alternative to the uh, going narrative. And so I can see why the Twitter board would take that very American, very freedom-loving position. I mean, I, if that's what you got to do in order to preserve your narrative, your narrative is not very good. And I, I'm not sure they can get Buddy, this is not my wheelhouse, as you know. I'm not an investment guy. I'm not a finance guy. But it would seem that if you just continued to issue shares in the company, that would lower the value of everyone's shares. And would you not be sued just repeatedly for doing something like that? Well, you would think there's going to be serious litigation about this whole this whole thing. And um, if if Musk ever pulls away from Twitter, the, the, the shares are going to just plummet. So the board members are kind of in a pickle. I think it's a dangerous thing to do when you adopt something like that and basically devalue everyone's shares and also um, potentially drive away someone who's willing to pay a premium for the control of the company, which is you know what investors are always looking for. Uh, pretty clean deal too. So um, I guess we'll just have to monitor this and keep uh, keep our ears to the uh, to the old Twitter sphere. But it looks like. Uh, Maybe Elon Musk won't be taking control of the Twitter. There's a couple things about this I don't get. One, if this is these are the links you have to go to to prevent free speech. I mean, at some point in time, you look at yourself in the mirror and say, "What am I doing?" Right? Like, am I just going to come out and say, "Hey, look, I don't believe in free speech. I don't want it. Uh, you know, I want to control the narrative. I want to be in charge." I mean, at some point, you're going to either have to do that or you're going to have to shrug and go, "Well, you know, I mean, this is." One of the things we're sort of all about here in the United States of America is allowing free speech. But the other thing I don't get is, you know, again, we have Twitter has no control inherently, right? I mean, all the control that Twitter has over, you know, speech in a broad sense of the word, obviously, you type it in, but over the narrative, over the interaction between people is control that we have given them, right? I mean, if people just said, ah, screw Twitter, let's use something else, there would be nothing that Twitter could do about that, and it would just collapse under its own weight. And so it seems, while you know, it's very hard to look at what the board is doing and, and say that's a good idea from any perspective, whether you're a shareholder, whether you believe in the First Amendment, whether you think discourse is a good thing, any of that, it's hard to look at that. But it's also hard to understand why people just don't, don't say, well, screw it, we'll, we'll communicate some other way. I mean, I, again, I don't do social media, I don't know anything about it, 
But it seems to me there's more than one platform. And I don't know why people don't just go, well, yeah, I mean, who needs Twitter? We'll use the, the InstaFace or the, the, I don't know, whatever else there is. Yeah. So uh, next, Brad, the, the second largest um, uh, story of the week, most important, uh, Texas high school uh, teacher, Kevin Welchel, uh, of course, at Klein Collins High School, a public high school, um, this week got into a little bit of hot water and was fired when uh, some uh, pornography, Brad, pornography that he was watching on his personal device, um, which also happened to be a school laptop, accidentally uh, ended up being projected on a projector during a school function uh, where (laughs) the entire uh, student body uh, enjoyed um, uh, some rather hardcore pornography. Um, He has lost his job. He is now potentially going to end up being charged criminally uh, for indecent conduct in front of minors. Um, he has been immediately removed from the school, no longer employed by the school district. Uh, however, the, it, it seems like the parents at the school were somewhat divided. Um, one mom who said it was inappropriate also said he was an excellent teacher and our children love him. Uh, it's unfortunate that happened. He should be reinstated immediately. Uh, so Brad, it seems like there's a little bit of controversy here, but apparently um, when you run uh, pornographic movies on a school laptop, uh, you could be uh, facing termination. Well, and, and probably rightly so, buddy. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I mean, I can't speak for all the folks there at Klein Collins High School and the Parent Teacher Association, et cetera. But I would think that that's something that generally you're going to want to discourage. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, it's tough to it's tough to say the guy should be barred from ever looking at porn. It is unfortunate he's not smart enough to be a little more careful about how mm-hmm. he does it. But if you're going to project it in front of the students, there probably should be some form of comeuppance. But again, I, we've created such a slippery slope when it comes to issues of morality that you can almost see where parents would get there, right? I mean, if you're a parent who's already, you know, been told, hey, your kid's going to get an education on how to become transgender if they want to do that. And oh, by the way, parents, there's nothing you can do to prevent that. And, you know, once you've sort of shrugged your shoulders to that as a parent, it, it, it is, I would imagine, hard to take a stance on, you know, just some good old fashioned porno. I mean, that, that you know, there was not long ago, buddy, that would have been just the talk of the town, but that is sort of pales in comparison to the stuff that's actually being taught in the schools. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. And I, look, I think um, this could be somewhat of a misunderstanding. And so, um, you know, I, and, and maybe that's why the parents are, uh, are revolting uh, or revolted. I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, I guess both. we'll keep our, we'll keep our eyes on this one as well. Again, an important situation to, well, can you uh, imagine being the students? They probably just thought it was class. They may have enjoyed it. I mean, it. that's, I mean, they just, you know, I mean, this is what we're apparently teaching them. I mean, folks are up in arms because Florida's trying to pass a law that doesn't allow you to give sex education to an eight year old. Yeah, yes. which I don't, I don't even understand. I mean, what, what does an eight or, a, or even a six, what, what, what do they need with sex education? But apparently, you know, that's, that's a crime. And, and so I'm sure the students probably just came from transgender appreciation class. They probably sat down and went, oh, yeah, okay, well, this is, Obviously, what's next here in the public high school? Par par for the course. Par for the course. Uh, Next, Brad, we have a bonus. Uh, As you all know, we have been following the massacre uh, on a a, really the genocide 
when it comes to the chicken population in this country of ours, in this world. And obviously it started with the gaggle of ducks uh, that the queen had to euthanize several weeks ago, her favorite ducks. Well, this is now come home to roost, my friend, at a recent uh, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves game. Uh, of course, Timberwolves are owned by Glenn Taylor, the owner of Target or the founder of Target, who also owns a large chicken farm. Uh, in the middle of the uh, Timberwolves playoff game, a woman wearing a shirt that read Glenn Taylor roasts animals alive, super glued herself to the floor during a TV timeout uh, and had to be chiseled from the uh, the floor at the uh, State Farm Arena in uh, in Minneapolis, all protesting the um, murder, Brad, the murder of 5.3 million chickens. I'm sure the folks there in the State Farm Arena enjoyed watching her being chiseled from the floor and then carted off to jail. But, but what a small business owner has to, to do is the same thing that we have done. We have those carpet squares down in our business, right? So this is easy. I mean, somebody comes in protesting whatever you may be doing, murdering chickens, whatever the case may be, and super glues themselves to your floor. Well, it's fine. You just lift up that carpet tile and you send them on their way. And now they have to walk down the street with a carpet tile attached to whatever portion of their anatomy they decided to glue to your floor. And that's their problem. Uh, Brad, next, we're going to go into uh, a, a feel-good story that uh, you, know, you and I are always looking for uh, stories that, uh, that uh, sort of tearjerkers that give people hope about the future of uh, society. Brad, this week, uh, Kyle Gordy, 30 years old, apparently the preeminent sperm donor in the uh, in the in the globe, he's now given helped uh, women after a recent quote unquote donation tour of Europe, where he impregnated fifty five women in uh, Britain and in and in France. He uh, either impregnates via artificial uh, insemination or <laughs> get through it, buddy. Come on, get the you yeah. Can do no, it. it's uh, it's it's a little rough here. Uh, either impregnates uh, these women via. <laughs> Art, art, artificial insemination, Brad, or straight intercourse. <laughs> Are you really a sperm donor? If you're, oh man, you know what? It's a, the world's a crazy place. All right. So I think, I think it's some, at, some point you, at some point you become a deadbeat dad uh, yeah, rather than a yeah, sperm donor. Correct. Um, but but he, he says couples regularly choose him for his educational background and good personality. Um, he is going to be taking another donation tour, Brad, of Asia in uh, in the fall. And um, now that is the time to do it. Asia in the fall is beautiful for sperm donation. And that's what I'm told. It's uh, it's lovely. He is already a father of 146 children. Uh, he has currently nine more uh, on the way, plus the 55 on the uh, European circuit. And, uh, and, and, and most recently, he has impregnated a lesbian woman in Cambridge uh, and uh, two married women in <laughs> in uh in london um and so i i guess touching story and uh lovely how he uh is making uh himself sort of spreading himself a little a little thin and um giving back to society as a whole he's like the johnny Appleseed of uh not apples if you know what i'm saying i mean you know he's got 109 kids You've, you're starting to really increase the chance that you know one of those kids is going to run into another one of those kids at some point in time. I mean, that's a that's a lot of human beings. 
it's 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 a lot. Uh, he he the, the the lesbian he impregnated Catherine said that they preferred to use Kyle's donation over a sperm bank due to the the uh, freshness of the specimen and the. Hmm the more personable nature of the agreement. She said, quote, fresh sperm, Brad, is more effective at achieving pregnancy than frozen sperm. Uh, we got pregnant the first cycle with Kyle and he only had one visit to the house. So that's, look, lovely, lovely story, <laughs> feel good story. And uh, this this gentleman Honey, is probably banking. The sperm donor's here. <laughs> oh, oh Kyle, God. come on in. Put yeah, on the Al Green we're... record. Let's go. <laughs> oh, well, very nice. Kyle Gordy from L.A. God bless him. <clears throat> He's well on his way to being a, a modern day Will Chamberlain. Indeed. Uh, next, Brad, we'll talk a little bit about your friend and mine, Joe Biden. He had a rough week, rough week this week. As you know, he, uh, he he's a, having issues with uh, war breaking out in the Ukraine, with the economy in a tailspin, with inflation running amok, uh, with all of these migrants now being bust from the state of Texas, now the state of Florida, up to D.C., and his approval ratings are in the dumps, um, literally. Uh, this week, he was given a, a stump speech in Iowa um, when a, uh, a bird uh, took a dump on the president's shoulder. And um, he, he continued with the speech for another minute, wiped it off, and then just sort of, you know, ambled away towards the uh towards the waiting limousine. Um, but it seems like that bird was someone, but one, we should say that bird was able to escape the death chamber that is Glenn Taylor's farm. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, I think we should say that that bird is uh, probably um, doing every American voter proud at this point by um, you know, putting his money where his mouth is. Well, that's it. I mean, the bird has made his presence felt and his opinion known. And that is, what we're about here in the United States, I mean, you know, we have the opportunity to vote. Uh, sometimes you'll hear the euphemism, vote with your feet. Uh, I believe the, the uh, bird has voted in a, in a different manner, used a different portion of its anatomy, not stuck to a carpet square, at least as far as we know. And, uh, you know, let the people see what he felt. I, I applaud that. Yeah. And then it, it went uh, from bad to even worse. Uh, a couple of days later, after finishing a speech on the <clears throat> nation's uh, supply chain crisis, he um, uh, finished his speech. Uh, and, and during the speech, by the way, he claimed uh, that he had served as a, quote, full professor at the University of Pennsylvania, despite never teaching a Has class he, of the school. even been in the University <laughs> of Pennsylvania. He is he is he has never taught a class at the school. He was never employed by the school and. Not exactly sure where that uh, where that came from, but again, he is uh, prone to exaggeration. But as soon as he ended the speech, he turned to his right, uh, put out his hand to shake the uh, hands of the people around him, only to realize that there was no one within 25 feet of him. Uh, and then he turned towards the backdrop, stared at it for about what seemed like 15 minutes, and then just stumbled off the stage. Uh, but it really does. I, I, the whole thing just bums me out, right? Like, I, I don't know. As you pointed out, Biden has, throughout his entire political career, just openly lied about his record, right? I mean, that, that, and, you know, again, we, we apparently, as the American electorate, are fine with that because we continue to elect him to public office right up to the president of the United States. So it is what it is, right? But he, so, but I wonder at this point if he even, does he honestly believe that? Like, does he, like in some dark recess of his clearly addled mind, does he honestly believe he was a full professor 
at the University of Pennsylvania, or is he just a bold-faced liar? And if he's if he's a, if it's the former, then get the man some help. If it's the latter, then you know we've brought this upon ourselves. But I, I am you know more and more coming to suspect that it's the former because if you watch that video, I mean it is really disturbing. It's kind of funny when he sticks his hand out. I mean you're just looking at him going. <laughs> You know, but what are you doing? And then, but he does then just kind of wander around the stage like he's completely forgotten where he is, why he's there, what he's doing. And, you know, shame on the folks around him. I mean, at the end of the day, Joe Biden is an elderly man. And anyone who is propping him up for their own purposes to, to push their own agenda is the worst kind of human being. Yeah, well, it uh, got worse uh, after that. The uh, president and the first lady, Dr. Jill Biden, um, conducted the first um, Easter egg roll at the uh, the old White House in a couple of years due to the COVID pandemic. Mm. And uh, as part of that, uh, the president was uh, talking to reporters. He was in-depth discussing the uh, issues uh, in Pakistan and Afghanistan with a bunch of reporters when the Easter Bunny came over, put his arm around the president and led him away. Uh, it was later learned that the Easter Bunny was actually White House Jen press Psaki. official. <laughs> it was Megan Hayes, the White House press uh, official <laughs> yeah, who works for Jen Psaki. Yeah. And she led the uh, she led the president away. And uh, um, you know, the press was somewhat speechless as the Easter Bunny put the paw, I guess the paw, Foot. I think I think it is a paw. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's not a it's not it's a, a rabbit's lucky foot. rabbit's paw. It's a rabbit's foot. Yes, it'll be a foot. Yeah. So the the president wandered away with the Easter Bunny, never to be seen again, um, and, uh, and 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 the press was sort of left stunned. But I guess this is what you get uh, when you start the week by uh, getting shit on by a bird, and then end the week by getting ushered away by someone in a bunny suit. Continuing with his week of sort of you know, policy faux pas, I and my lovely bride and, and one of my daughters flew back home today, my friend, with no mask on our faces. It was glorious to walk into the airport, no mask, get on the plane, no mask. And, you know, it was as it always should have been, right? There were plenty of folks who decided they wanted to wear a mask. Good for them. I have absolutely no problem with that. That's the way it should have always been. That's the way it should continue to be. Why the Biden administration continued in the face of all the science, in the face of all the statistics, to try and extend this thing, further disgruntling the electorate, only to just be made fools of by a federal judge who just said, yeah, you can't do this. You know, at some point in time, your executive power runs out. Had they just said on April 18th, when it was scheduled to end, uh, yeah, we're done, we're done with it. And, and they could have taken, uh, you know, even some moral high ground there said, Hey, we're going to be vigilant. We're going to continue to watch if the pandemic comes back, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this and that, and, and all the other things that don't work and we'll reinstitute all of these, you know, woe be gone policies. They could have taken that position and looked like they were leading. Instead, they got their butts handed to them by a federal judge who didn't even fight it and just said, Oh yeah, the heck with it. Yeah. Everybody fly without your mask. It hasn't mattered anyway. Go ahead. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it is uh, it is um, uh, amazing, and you know the, the 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 whole thing going on. It makes you wonder who's actually running the country. The and Easter Bunny, <clears throat> clearly. It, well, it appears to be the Easter Bunny, and when yeah. you 
you know, have the um, uh, you have the you know the, the press secretary for the president talking about how now he is fully supporting Diane Feinstein, the senator from California, who is in the early stages of dementia herself. Um, and you see what's going on with the president. And the I mean, the, you, you just imagine this ever happening with, with with Reagan or Kennedy or I mean, just never. If you want to be an effective democracy, you have to take you know, your, your ability to vote, your right to vote seriously, right? And, and, you know, take into account some of these things, like the fact that, you know, folks are in their 80s. I mean, there are, there are a, a handful of people that you will occasionally meet, it's always impressive when you do, who are, you know, well into their 80s and into their 90s and, you know, sharp as a tack. And God bless them. I mean, I don't think Either you or I are going to be blessed with that kind of capacity if we even live that long, um, but not most, right? And so when when you see Feinstein not be able to carry the torch the way that she did, and she did it very effectively for a lot of years, I don't care whether you like her or not. I mean, obviously, you and I are not often on the same side of an issue as Diane Feinstein, but she was a great senator. I mean, she did her job. And when you see her in the current state she's in, when you see Biden wandering around the stage, Literally, it's a cry for help. I mean, the fact that nobody on his team got up on that stage, shook his hand, guided him towards the exit, just tells you all you need to know about his team. They just don't care, right? I mean, they are all about themselves. They do not care about Joe Biden as a person at all. He's merely a puppet for them. Uh, But it's our fault, right? I mean, we continue to go into the polling booth and do the easy thing, right? Oh, yeah, Feinstein, I think I've heard of her. Let me vote. Oh, yeah, Joe Biden. Okay, let me vote for him. It's crap citizenship, and we need to do better. Yeah, and it seems like with with things like the mask mandate, it seems like we are in um, a, a unique situation where we have to rely on the courts to actually call these politicians uh, to account. And so, you know, for example, Obviously, you were just on one of the, the first flights that actually flew without people being required to wear a mask, except for the 10 seconds you could sip a drink in between pulling the mask up and down. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, this this federal court ruling by uh, the uh, Trump appointed judge uh, in, in Florida um, slapped back at the CDC for trying to extend the mask mandate into May, saying that they uh, overstepped their authority. Uh, and, and at least it, it seems like the administration is smart enough not to go and appeal that uh, appeal that ruling just to sort of let it let that mask mandate die. But it, the fact that it has to take court intervention to get government to do the right thing on any number of levels is incredibly, uh, incredibly troubling. It is. And I don't I mean, you're much more of a legal scholar than I Correct. am. I'm not. That's that's, that's true. That, that is true. I am not a legal scholar. You actually are. A legal scholar, but she is, and, and, and I'm glad you point out she's a Trump appointee. I know people are all up in arms about that. She's legally correct. Okay, she is a judge. It's not her job to, you know, try to impose her morals. It's not her job to try to impose her own feelings about public health. It is her job, part of her job at least, to ensure that the United States government plays within the rules. And and we have not been for quite some time with these mass mandates, right? And with many other things, as you point out, and listen, before, you know, if there's folks out there freaking out, screaming at the radio, uh, listen, whoa, 
understand what's happening here. Today, it's a mass mandate. You may want it. You may be in the category of folks who believe the masks actually do something efficacious with COVID. And if you do, good for you. You're, you're entitled to that belief. Wear a mask, right? Require people to come into your home that wear a mask. Do all the things you want to do. But understand that today it's a mass mandate. Tomorrow it may be a mandate to do something you don't want to do. Okay. And at that point in time, if you were one of the ones who raised a ruckus about a judge doing her job, Trump appointee, not a Trump appointee, looking at the law and saying, look, the facts presented to me in this courtroom lead me to believe that this policy has become, if it wasn't always, it has become arbitrary and capricious. You cannot do that. And so before you freak out, think about some of the things you would never want to have happen to you, whatever the case may be. What if they had a no mask mandate, right? What if for those of you that want to wear masks and now can, if you're one of the people who drives around in their car by themselves with a mask, good for you. It's America. You can do that. Okay. But what if they had a no mask mandate? Right? Would you like that? What if someone knocked on your door and said, hey, and just ripped that mask off your face, said you can't wear it here in the United States? Right? We don't want mandates. Right? We, we just don't want them. The judge did her job. Tip your cap. Because tomorrow, it could have been something you don't want. Yeah, they could be coming for your chickens. Uh, but uh, yeah, Brad, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that uh, government is getting more and more intrusive by the, uh, by the hour. And, and again, Hopefully in, in, in this year, knock on wood, we are going to uh, check that at the uh, at the old ballot box. Uh, finally, uh, for this segment, Brad, we wrap up with sad news. R.I.P. Gilbert Gottfried, the uh, great oh, comedian. Are you serious? And uh, that, that that is correct. 67 years old, uh, passed away after a long illness um, known for a number of iconic um, roles in the uh, 80s, including the parrot in the uh the the aladdin movie he Correct. voiced the, the pat the, the the parrot in the aladdin movie um he uh also was doing the duck in the aflac commercials for a number of uh a number of years uh until he was uh fired over jokes about uh nagasaki and hiroshima um but uh again uh, will be missed one of the funnier people uh you'll you'll ever see on the screen and i believe he was in uh, at least one of the uh, lethal weapon movies yeah, I don't remember that. I mean, he was obviously famous for, uh, you know, what many felt were, uh, you know, an inappropriate series of jokes at the Emmys after, uh, oh, was it like the guy that played uh, Pee Wee Herman? Remember he got caught, uh, you know, sort of emulating Mr. Gordy in an oh, old yeah. theater. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Gottfried hosted the Emmys and just, you know, filleted him with a series of jokes related to that uh particular activity uh, so i remember that i remember when that happened and people freaking out but uh yeah i did not realize he had passed away that's too bad he was a uh, he was a funny guy funny and will be will be missed and aladdin will never uh, look the uh, same way again brad you can learn more about us on our uh, website ipfrequently.com uh, follow us on the twitter and on the instaface at ip underscore frequently like rate and review the podcast we are excited to have you all with brad live in the studio the hologram machine has broken brad i am no longer uh able to appear uh as a hologram but you still do hear my voice correct 
I, I do. I did. And I'm glad you said that because I've had these blinders on. I didn't even realize you were gone. I can whip these things off. Oh, yeah, that's unfortunate. But that's a lonely stool there. It's an empty chair, but it seems like everyone in the audience is having fun. And Brad, what is that? You've given everyone a chicken pot pie today? I have. I mean, as, as many folks are aware, millions of chickens were just openly, uh, I believe the term was murdered uh, at a uh, chicken farm near you. And so we did not want that sacrifice to go to waste. Everyone has a pot pie. I have also issued small business card warnings. Um, if you're not familiar with pot pie, they are famous uh, for being approximately the temperature of the sun when you first break through the crust. So be careful there. Yeah, no, that's these are Glenn Taylor pot pies. And it looks like everyone in the audience that's still standing is very happy. So enjoy those. Those are those are lovely. Um, Brad, next, we're going to take a look at, uh, again, we, we've said that the election this year is very important. We're going to take a look at some of the important um, issues that are uh, that are presenting people, uh, presenting themselves to people as they uh, head to the ballot box in um, several short months. Uh, some people are already voting in primaries and local school board elections, referendums, uh, Brad, referendums. Uh, and other people are, are voting with their protest voice by uh, stapling themselves to um, basketball courts. Uh, but uh, it's South Dakota, again, the great uh, state of South Dakota, not north, but south. Uh, this week, the House has taken the extraordinary steps of trying to impeach a very popular attorney general. And uh, this is you know, one of the things you and I can typically agree on is when people um, try to use the legislative process to throw people out of office because they're clearly scared of their star power. Uh, that's when you and I, my friends, stand up and say, no, inappropriate. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, it, and it's <clears throat> it's awful. Jason Ravenborg, uh, Ravenborg, 45-year-old uh, attorney general of the state of South Dakota, has now been impeached by the South Dakota House of Representatives. Um, he, uh, was impeached and listen, this is a great attorney general. He's doing great things. Um, apparently, you know, there are some things you can't do without, you know, having these highly political, um, uh, moves made. Well, apparently Jason Robinsburg was driving down the highway a year and a half ago in the town of Highmore, South Dakota. I, be I believe you're familiar with Highmore. If I'm oh, right. sure. I mean, I, I, most people listening will be. Apparently, he was Robinsburg. The attorney general was reading news articles on his phone one day, driving through Highmore, uh, South Dakota, when he struck and killed Joseph Bover, uh, who was walking on the uh, shoulder of the road. Um, Robinsburg uh, apparently uh, uh, pushed the body off the road, and when police responded, said that he had, he had uh, hit a deer uh, and uh, said it was a collision with an animal, um, and uh, then apparently the police officers found the body and uh, they uh, decided to um, charge him. He has not uh, been tried yet, um, but believe it or not, the House in South Dakota has now voted to impeach him, which I think is a bit much, don't you? Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, you, you, listen, if you can't hit some poor bastard on the side of the road, pretend like you didn't lie to the police, say it was a deer all the while serving in a, a public office of note as the attorney general. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Right? I mean, I, uh, how was he supposed to handle that? Now, in his defense, now in his defense, before you before you jump the shark here, he did call the police 
after the incident and tell them that he hit the deer. So he did do that. And then he went home. He was going coming home from a Republican dinner where he may have had a few cocktails. Um, but 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 listen, he, uh, he he has been charged with a couple of misdemeanors in the in the state. But in a letter on the eve of the vote, uh, he said that this is an attempt, an inappropriate attempt to, quote, uh, overturn an election uh, and said, quote, your decision could overturn an election and set forth a dangerous precedent for all South Dakota elected officials. I could not resign and then cannot resign now because the incident does not impede my ability to perform the functions of attorney general, including ongoing investigations of uh, other executive officers in the state. I feel it appropriate to stay in office and continue to do the work of the people of South Dakota. So there it is, Brad, pretty, pretty straightforward. That makes perfect sense. If you could remove him, why why couldn't you remove uh, the next politician that ran over a person and claimed it to be a deer? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the dangerous precedent you're setting is all the, all the drunk politicians who, strike pedestrians on the road and then lie to the police and tell them it was an animal, they could all wind up being impeached. And I, you know, it's hard to argue with the guy. I mean, if you're the, the, your state's top law enforcement officer, as you are, as the attorney general, why would anyone believe that your integrity could be compromised simply because you lied to the police about a murder? And I, I don't understand why anyone is concerned about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll continue to monitor this. I mean, hopefully he'll he'll appeal this all the way up to the Supreme Court and maybe get reinstated. And I look, I, I it could be that he has uh, maybe learned a lesson here. He should have been impeached just for writing that letter. And if you have the audacity to put pen to paper and send that letter out, then you should not be the attorney general of anything. Your, your kids should impeach you and say, no, we're going to we're going to elect a different dad in this house. Right. I mean, that is absurd. And buddy, it just goes to show you, I don't care what political party you're in. I don't care what side of the aisle or, or non aisle or whatever it is you're standing on. Our elected officials are dangerously jackassness. Is that a word? Yeah, Probably not. That is. That is a word. Is it? Okay, good. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to use it in this context. We, we need to get rid of these people. We need to vote for real representatives, folks who you look at and you go, yeah, that guy lives in my neighborhood. He, he tends to have you know a similar view to the views of most people in the neighborhood. Let's send him or her to go and represent our neighborhood. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do, but we seem to have a very difficult time uh, doing it. It's, it, it, seems, uh, it seems like it. Next, Brad, the Royal Report. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have much to report this week. Of course, Harry and Meghan Markle, uh, the Megxit, are now at the Invictus Games in the Netherlands. Uh, unfortunately, they are not being given an audience with King Willem Alexander of the Netherlands because... He doesn't recognize the Megxit. So, um, but we'll keep an eye on the Invictus games. Obviously you're following them, probably watching them on TV at home as am I, Um, but exciting times. Unfortunately, you know, no audience with King Willem this time for the Megxit. Well, they refuse to put on wooden shoes. And if you do that, you can't see the King. Very, very uncomfortable. Uh, Brad, finally, we have got our big uh, barter band bronze Stevie award-winning segment, even though, I'm appearing virtually as a booming voice coming out of the speakers in the studio audience. Uh, We can't uh, end the program without 
uh, barter band this week, Brad, barter band murder in the metaverse. Murder in the metaverse. There is a drive afoot. <clears throat> As you know, the metaverse is where people can put on um, goggles and uh, live a, a cartoonish life of uh, completely divorced from reality in this uh, fic- fictional land created called the metaverse, where you can go change your appearance. You can you can get if you're allergic to cats, you can get a metaverse cat, a dog, maybe a puppy, Brad, a puppy. Uh, well, now some legal scholars have gotten together and they're starting to draft laws uh, around uh, people who spend their entire time wearing these goggles and, and living in the this alternate reality. Um, and uh, these uh, these lawyers are drawing up these uh, uh, set of laws which will govern life, Brad, in the metaverse. I assume you've taken a trip to the metaverse now and again, buddy. I I, I have not. I'm trying to follow you here now. How deep are we going? Like, if you murder a chicken in the metaverse, does someone have to glue themselves to the virtual floor, or how does that work? Well, you could you could certainly. That's a good point. You could certainly protest. There are things in the metaverse that people can protest. But these lawyers are coming together to try to draft like the articles uh, of uh, a confederation for those in the metaverse. And there are, and listen, apparently, even though you're in the metaverse and it's a completely benign place where you and other people with these blinders that they put on will live in these alternate realities, um, they, 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 these experts have said crimes like murder, rape, or assault of an avatar um, could have very. How, how uh, can do- you even do that? How do you murder a cartoon? Listen, I I I am I am simply I am simply reading. Okay, I am simply reading from the report. It's probably good, buddy. It's probably Um, for the best. I'm a law and order guy. There is a there there is a big issue apparently um, uh, where I mean there there are also racist avatars. Apparently, they're running around the uh, (laughs) of course the metaverse. Uh, There are people that uh, say that. That, that these all these laws have to be enacted and there has to be a system of law and order brad in the metaverse and, hey, and actually actually patrick roberts of the roberts law group said and i quote while it may be difficult to pro- to prosecute a crime in the metaverse uh, over a typically anonymous user <laughs> and their avatar um you may be able to get into court and get some relief, including consequences that quote will likely be some some sort of virtual punishments, such as an avatar's has to wear a scarlet a, letter. So, an avatar. So, well, listen, such as an avatar is being deactivated or restricted oh. for some period of time. Um, we'll take and, your goggles away. Yeah, and listen to this. And the person who used the avatar for virtual violence might be restricted or prevented from access for a period of time. Maybe you have to sit in a virtual corner. Um, but this is, this is troubling. So I guess the question is, and then there's a subsequent question about whether avatars are people, right? Um, you know, it, it, it's, you know, there, there's this debate about whether or not the criminal laws in our society should be amended and to, to protect avatars as they would people. Um, and this is something being advocated by, uh, but not, but not, Unborn children, not those. Not those, unborn, no, no, those no, you no. can kill willy nilly if you'd like to. But your cartoon, if someone reaches for the old cartoon six shooter, 
and puts one between the running lights that we need to prosecute. I, yeah. I, Rick, now listen, I, Richard Bandler, the lawyer who's helping put this together said, I quote, I think the criminal laws need to be amended to protect avatars as if they were people. Sure. It would make sense. And we have enough challenges now in the metaverse that we need to protect people. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I guess by people, he means avatars. Um, and he says, look, there are games in the metaverse uh, where millions of avatars are injured or killed daily. Such acts are threats and they are violence. Uh, so, Brad, it seems like there are um, there, there is a groundswell of support, at least with respect to these three individuals quoted for this article, uh, to protect avatars from the metaverse. So, well, I, yeah, but I, again, I, I should probably not even ask these questions. Think about it. these people who are playing the games, resulting in the deaths of millions of non-existent things right i mean i, I presume you can just regenerate your avatar well listen now, this is they the, play them on purpose well remember you, you used to play space invaders remember you played I, space invaders i did i do remember i kind of like space invaders yeah. every time you shot one of those little aliens that's yeah. an avatar so that's a, that's it's, a killing so down. you could be you could be prosecuted for that yeah but you, you know what for a murder buddy got to be able to produce a body that's part of the law well you were vaporizing those things there's no body that's exactly my point. I mean, what's Maybe the you evidence? find a tooth. Maybe How a do tooth. You know it was me. That's Plus, they were invading. Oh, you're saying the, the rules of war in the metaverse are different yes. than the rules of peacetime. Yes. I mean, you know, aliens generally, thank goodness, do not invade. But in space invaders, that's all they do. You got to you have to annihilate those things. They're just constantly moving. They're con and then the houses get destroyed. And then you have ah, to it's not keep- good. You got to have your finger on the button. Yeah. Well, listen, listen, this is, this is a hot button issue. Uh, and, and it's not going it's not going away. And uh, I think as you slowly acclimate yourself to your metaverse, um, you know, you're going to have to think about this. I'm going to say that murder of avatars should be barred. I'm fine with that. I mean, I, I don't I don't, I don't I, again, I, I the fact that we have different we're, we're OK killing people, but not cartoons is, is a little troubling. <laughs> um, but uh, I, 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 yeah, I, that's fine. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of murder in, in any respect. And so, uh, yeah, if you don't want to, if, if you folks are running around in the metaverse and you're killing each other, stop it. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about the things we've covered here today, yeah. right? We've covered the 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 the, the virtual and not virtual sperm donor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've covered the uh, attorney general from uh, uh, South Dakota who's still going to work for the people of South Dakota, even, even after hitting that uh, person. Hitting one of the people that, that lives in his state. Yeah, and, and now we've, we've talked about murder in the metaverse. So, I mean, how, listen, this is a, this week we really did cover the, the entire gamut, if you will, of uh, issues that are uh, really, really uh, making small business owners, Brad, think long and hard about, uh, about, about opening the shop up at all, or just yeah, maybe opting into some sort of an insurance fire. Get the carpet squares. I mean, that that is the secret, whether in the real world or in the metaverse, my friend. And, uh, you know, we will continue to keep our, our finger on the pulse as we have done this week, as we do every week. And we'll see you right back here on IP Frequently. And if you're killing people, if you're killing cartoons, stop it. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.